Well, hello, world, and welcome to another broadcast of No God's Truth. I'm your host, Doug Lott, and I'm here with Pastor Teacher James Inman of the First Baptist Church of Okarchi, along with Executive Producer, Director, and Resident Technological Genius, Rusty Garner. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's our hope, as always, to help you understand God's Word and to give you some tools to apply that word and truth to your lives. So, Rusty, as I was reading up on this, uh, verses 16 and 17 of John 6 says, uh, 16, 17 says, And when evening was now come, his disciples went out to the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. Did I read that wrong, or <laughs> did the, the disciples leave Jesus behind? What do you think? They left him behind. Yeah, they, yeah I was I was a bit confused about that myself. It was like, around why? four miles. It says they they had uh, somewhere around four miles. They had rowed out to sea and no Jesus with them. Yeah, and it says uh, I can't remember. Is it in John right here, or was it in Matthew? I was reading. Um, there was one boat, so they knew it was one boat, and and Jesus told them to go ahead without him. And I I, I think that had I been there, Doug, I probably would have had a hard time doing that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, it was uh, as we were texting back and forth before this session. I uh, was looking at pastor's answer for that, and he just came back with one verse and leave it to the pastor to. Uh, to have us use scriptures to interpret scripture. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It felt kind of silly, too. Um, <laughs> Matthew 14. Okay, thanks. Uh, so, read up before you ask <laughs> dumb questions, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> well, so much for today's introduction, I guess. And we'll just turn it over to pastor, teacher now, James Inman. All right, thank you guys. I um, I want to say first of all, I really appreciate. Um, you probably notice we're sounding better tonight. Um, it's because Rusty has um, purchased some new sound equipment, and we are um, we are just feeling really professional in here, aren't we? <laughs> aren't we as pre- professional as I can get. Right. As long as I can use it correctly. I did have to bribe an old friend with chicken to uh, come in here and teach me how to use uh, it. Right. Okay, Matthew 6, we're going to begin at verse 16 and kind of remember where we left off last time. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 men with the uh, two fish and the five loaves, and they gathered up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. The crowd was satisfied. Jesus was the man. He was popular. They were... um, they they said in verse 14, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Um, and they they intended, verse 15 says, they intended to come and make him king by force, but he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And I, um, you know, we don't know all the reasons um, Jesus was left alone. You guys were talking about that and the other disciples when he told to get into the boat. And he, um, I think if anything, it shows us the importance of our one-on-one time with God. 
if Jesus, God's only son, uh, God's God the son, felt it necessary to withdraw from the crowd and spend time by himself with his heavenly father, then how much more do we need to do that? Yeah, and what's the last thing, one of the last things before he was taken in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he got away by himself. He said, you guys stay here and pray, and I'm going to go on by myself and pray. And so he went and talked to the Father by himself. Yes. Yeah, he valued that, that communion with his Father, and we should do the same. But I do want to read in Matthew 14, I think it gives a little bit more insight, verses 22 and 23 of Matthew 14, this same account of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and then the disciples getting in the boat and Jesus waiting, and we're going to see later he, he walks on water out to them. But Matthew 14, verse 22 and 23 says, immediately, and I think there was some urgency there because Jesus knew the crowd was coming to try to make him, force him to be an earthly king. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So immediately it says Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of them. They could have protested. It sounds like maybe they did, but he made them get on the boat. And they had, I think they had learned a little bit to this point to listen to what Jesus said. Uh, so they, they got in the boat and started going and uh, they came right into the middle of a storm. Uh, verse 18 of John 6 says, A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. Um, I, they were terrified. I looked it up. The Sea of Galilee is, is uh, technically a lake. Um, they titled it a sea, but it's about, uh, not huge, about 13 miles long and eight miles wide. And um, uh, one, one theologian uh, said it would probably cross about two hours, take about two hours to cross um, on normal weather conditions, cross the Sea of Galilee. Uh, but they were in a violent storm that was coming out at them, and uh, they were terrified, and things didn't look so good, but suddenly they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. Before I, before we go any farther, I want to ask you, Doug, do you think God still sends his followers into a storm? Let me back up and ask you first. Do you believe Jesus knew he was sending the disciples out into a storm? That's a gimme. That's, <laughs> That's a, a layup. <laughs> yeah, uh, God, Jesus is God, and he knows all. He's omnipotent uh, and... Yes, yes, he uh, he knew exactly what he was doing, sending them out there. And he had tests for people coming up. He had a test for Peter coming out of the boat. And... Yes, yes. Um, so so um, does God send us into storms today, you believe? Does he send us into testing times, trials at times? Yes, I believe he does. Uh, not only to... that's That was... Pam's take on it, the, uh, 
testing and trials, but also to mold us and to give us, uh, make us stronger so that we can deal with, you know, what comes our way along with him. And uh, so, yes. Right. Yeah. If, if we did never um, get a toddler, a baby up on their feet and hold their hands and try to get them to walk, they would probably never learn to walk, would they? No. We got to have that encouragement. Jesus, God's word even says in the book of James that, and this is hard to understand at times, that we should count it joy when we face. I want to read James 1, James, yes. verse, verse 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, so there is a reason and we don't understand it, may not always see it. God's ways are above our ways, but God's testing, the trials, the storms in life, uh, there's a purpose to increase our faith, to grow and be stronger in him and learn to trust on him. He, um, I, think, I think it's interesting. One of the first things he said when he came to the disciples in verse 20, he says, but he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In the middle of life's storms, we don't have to be afraid, do we? The wind may be strong, but Jesus is strong. Another one of those 365 fear nots. Amen. Yeah. Scripture is, is filled with those. Uh, Jesus told, don't be afraid. Uh, and the, the wind may be strong, but Jesus is stronger. The Gospel of John doesn't include the, the narrative of um, Peter getting out of the boat and uh, asking if he could, if that's really you, Lord, may I walk to you? And uh, we know some of the other Gospels include that. Uh, but we're, um, we're focusing on John, so we're going we're gonna to go on. But they, um, it says, verse 21 says, Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And I liked it. I, I hadn't really noticed before. It says, And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And they were heading to Capernaum. But suddenly it became... A fast motorboat. <laughs> ah, turbo! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And really, Jesus didn't even need a boat to get them to that shore in a hurry, yeah. did he? Yeah. yeah. Could have picked him up and walked on the water, all of <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Amen. So they got to Capernaum, and it's the, the next day, verse 22, the next day the crowds got up, and they started looking around, and, and what happened to Jesus? And says they realized that only one boat had been there and Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. I, I, thought, that, I thought that was interesting. That stood out to John. He says, this is a place where the people had eaten bread after the Lord gave thanks. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. He didn't say this is a place where uh, the people had eaten the bread and there was 5,000 and we gathered up 12 baskets. He said, no, this is a place where they ate after the Lord had given thanks. That stood out to John. And I, I, I think that's important. We talked about before. We need to be thankful people to stop and give thanks at, at every opportunity and Jesus lived a life in that way. He was thankful 
and he taught his disciples to be thankful for the blessings of God. So once the crowd realized that Jesus and our disciples were there, they got into their boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So they, uh, they were looking for Jesus, and when they found him, verse 25 says, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? I think it was almost, when did you get here? But also, how did you get here? Yeah. They, uh, we know you didn't get in the boat, so <laughs> yeah. what's the deal? Yeah. They, were, they weren't sure how that happened. Jesus didn't bother to answer the question, did he? Um, he he's done that before, we've seen in, in John. Some of the questions Nicodemus asked, or the woman at the well, he always turned the conversations to a spiritual conversation, to the true things that he came for. Jesus answered in verse 26, I tell you the truth. That's probably in the King James. Verily, is that one of the verily, verilies? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, they were, they were getting hungry again. And uh, they thought that uh, Jesus could meet their hunger, meet their physical needs. Yeah, so he... Didn't even answer it. He just went right to that. And he did the same in chapter 4, verse 48. Uh, he said, then Jesus said to him, accept it. You see signs and wonders you will not believe. He did the same. He didn't answer uh, with staying on the same subject. He, he changed the subject and said, you know, you, you have to see miracles. Why? Right. He knew their hearts. They had come for for the miracles, for the feeding, for the show that Jesus could give. They were ready, what, to make him an earthly kingdom. And Jesus said, verse 27, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So don't work for food that spoils. I, I want to ask you, uh, listeners, are you working for food that spoils? Is your life all made up about working for temporary earthly things? And we should be hard workers. We should provide for our families. Uh, we should honor God and do our work as we're working unto the Lord. But our goal, our focus needs to be on the eternal, the spiritual. And that's what Jesus was saying here. It's much like the, uh, the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12. Remember, he had a, he had a great crop dug and he, and he said, what should I do? I've, I can't even store all this in my barns. And he said, well, I'm going to have to tear, tear down, down and build bigger barns. Yeah, tear down yeah. my barns and build bigger ones. And he said, I'm going to take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Uh, he was working for the bread of this world. Uh, he was working, do not work for the food that spoils. He was working, storing up the things that spoil instead of storing up treasures in heaven. And Jesus is telling them that here, don't, don't work. Don't get your get your focus off the the signs, the miracles, the feed, the feeding, and get your focus on me. I am the one that God sent, the Son of Man. He will give you a bread of food that will endure to eternal life. 
Then they ask him, okay, what must we do then to do the works God requires? They, um, <clears throat> Jesus, you're not going to do a miraculous sign, you said. Uh, mm-hmm. So what is it? And you said that you're going to give eternal life or you have the food that endures to eternal life. Well, what do we have to do? A lot of people ask that question today even. And, and so, many, so many people are trying to work their way into God's favor and to earn his favor, to earn his love. Jesus answered, it's much like the, I thought, thought of the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? I don't, I, his was an honest, I think theirs was more of a, what can we do? We're working hard. We're Jews. We're trying to follow the law. What must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered. They were still trying to to get him to uh, provide explanation and, and other miracles. Uh, what do you got to say for uh, our father's got manna in the wilderness, you know? Right, uh, right. And can you imagine that? Manna for 40 years. How many ways can you prepare manna? Manana bread? <laughs> Manacati? What do you got? I, I, I wasn't prepared for jokes. <laughs> okay, anyway. We'll see if, we'll see if Rusty uh, edits the joke out. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus answered... I'm, faster, I'm sorry. The work, the work that, he, that was going to bring eternal life, it wasn't a work, was it? No. In verse 30, uh, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Here again, and I, I was saying before we started recording tonight, how amazed I am just again. I knew it was a, the message behind the Gospel of John to, to come to those to, so that all would believe that Jesus is the Christ. And by believing in him, they'd have life in his name. But it is just pounded through the Gospel of John that Jesus is the way. Believe in him. Believe in the one that God has sent. Trust him for your salvation. Uh, Don't work for food that spoils. Don't get your focus on the things of this world. Uh, Get your focus on spiritual things. You know, you you said, you know, and and you repeated that, that don't just work on the things of the world. Um, After I quit working for the things of the world, which I was miserable at, uh, although I did provide, uh, after I stopped doing that and I allowed God to be everyday Lord of my life, all of a sudden he started blessing. And to the point now where he's, he just blessed beyond, beyond measure, beyond measure. If you trust, if you trust in God to provide, he will. Yes. He has already, um, he has already provided everything we need in Christ. Um, in Ephesians one, it says we, every spiritual blessing we need, God has given every spiritual blessing we need has been provided by God. Um, so they, they, uh, again, they ask about works and he said, the work is to believe. And then verse 30. So they ask what miraculous sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you. Uh, so if we're going to believe you, we want you to do something to make us to believe it. And it said, you, you mentioned the manna, uh, Doug, it says at verse 31, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father 
who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Uh, so that's the one who's going to give the, the, uh, the true life. It's going to come down from heaven. What happened to the, the people in the wilderness that ate the manna? They perished. Yeah, they perished. They perished. They perished. That was, uh, that was earthly stuff. That was the works. That was the things of this world. Now, they didn't connect this verse 33 when Jesus said, uh, For the bread of God is he which came down from heaven and gives life unto the world. He was speaking of himself. But later when he says, You're going to have to partake of my body and my blood. and uh, They didn't connect that, what he said then, later, when he said those other verses that uh, put him off and made some not walk with him anymore. You're right. We're going to see that. We'll see that in the next session, how many uh, the hard sayings turned them away. They were looking for an earthly king and leader. But Jesus said that, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And I think verse 34 is much of a, sir, they said from now on, give us this bread. I think it's a little bit like the woman at the well. Ah, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. No, you. Well, that she, she was, Jesus was offering living water. And she said, well, give me some of this water so I don't have to keep coming back to this well and uh, in the heat of the day and, and getting my water. And she, she came to the realization that Jesus was talking about spiritual things, uh -huh. eternal life, a living water, the spirit of God that was going to... And these, these people, they didn't get there. These Jews were... No. They were still all about uh, signs and miracles, and you got to prove it. We're not going to believe you. Feed they were, me. They were too hung up in their traditions to believe in the Messiah. They knew, they believed that Jesus would be an earthly king, and he didn't come that way. So they said, sir, from now on, give us this bread. And I want to I wrap up there. I want to read, though, verse 35, where we'll start next time. It's the first of the seven great I am statements that Jesus uh, uh, gives and John records in his gospel. Uh, the first one, verse 35 of John 6. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Uh, he was trying to make it clear. It's not about manna. It's not about works. It's not about miracles. It's not about eating all this food. It's about trusting in me. Uh, again, uh, verse 28, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. It's all about grace, isn't it? We don't work. We don't earn our salvation. If man could earn his salvation, God made a, a terrible blunder by sending his only son to die on the cross for our sins. Uh, the truth is we cannot work. We cannot do enough good deeds. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus came to quench our desire for eternal life by being the living bread. He is the bread, the bread that brings life.
Thank you for joining us. Let me pray with you as we close out this session. Our Father, we just thank you that um, you're the God of the storms. You're the God that uh, says, do not be afraid in the midst of a storm. You're the God that never leaves us in a storm. And I just thank you for the, the reminders of that and the story of Jesus coming and walking on the water to his disciples. God, just lead us to be uh, faithful prayer warriors that we will uh, see the value in uh, separating ourselves from the world and, and finding our, our mountainside, our, our front porch chair, or uh, our car on the way to work where we can pray and cry out to you and hear from you. And Lord, I just pray that you uh, help us not to get uh, focused on the things of this world, but that we could uh, seek the bread of life, the, the Jesus, the true bread that came down to bring eternal life. We thank you and praise you. And I pray for each one who's listening, God, you, you have... Uh, met their needs in Jesus, and I just pray that you give each of us more faith to trust you. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. And as always, until next time, blessings and peace. <laughs>